Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. listening to the pastor scott show podcast have any questions or comments email pastor scott now at pastor scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m and now here's pastor scott good afternoon ladies and gentlemen welcome back to hour two of the pastor scott show number is 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 we take a look at the issues of the day from a christian perspective Lots of things going on in the news. Tomorrow, Donald Trump will be arraigned in Miami, and uh, we'll talk about that probably tomorrow. Maybe you'll see how things go in the morning. One of the things I wanted to, that I'm going to watch for, and I'm real curious about this because it's one of the things that I think is a greater concern. There, you know, with all this stuff going on, there's greater concerns for our country and a lot of conversation about violence and political violence. And that has been increasing in different ways. This is Francis Suarez, the Republican mayor of Miami, who might be running for president, talking about the Trump court date tomorrow. We hope that tomorrow will be peaceful. We encourage people to be peaceful in, in them demonstrating uh, how, how they feel. And uh, we're going to have the adequate forces uh, necessary to ensure that. So there's different demonstrations that are going to happen. I don't know. The interesting thing is I heard that uh, Donald Trump is going to go into the courthouse underground. So he may not even see any of it, you know, personally. So it's a lot of times these things are really for somebody else, right? They're for the show. They're for the news media. And there needs to be some wisdom with this because the news media gets it wrong a lot in these things. Sometimes it's on purpose. They have an agenda, and I'm not going to hide the fact that I think that there's an agenda. When the when you read when we had the uh, protests at the school in Glendale uh, last week, the a group called Antifa shows up, and the Antifa guys are wearing you know helmets and masks and you know body armor sometimes and all in black and covering your face and uh you know a principle that i think is true is that if you have to show up to something and you can't show your face you're probably on the wrong side of it whether you're antifa or whether you're some kind of white supremacist or whoever you are if you got to put a cover over your face uh to hide your identity you're probably on the wrong side of the argument that's something that you should self-reflect for right that's something that you should say if i am embarrassed to be seen for my point of view, then maybe uh, maybe I'm a coward, but maybe I am on the wrong side of it and I should readjust. Anyway, that's going on. And there's a lot of conversation about the potential for violence tomorrow at this. Now, I hope it doesn't happen. It shouldn't happen. If you know somebody who's a part of it, don't do it. Because I'll tell you what else happens is that whenever there is, whoever starts it or whoever is, or whoever is perceived to start it, they lose. They lose the, the media game. And that's really who this is for, right? The, Donald Trump will probably not personally see any of it or most of it. And uh, most of the particulars who are involved, they're probably not going to see it. Washington Post had an article about it. And they said today federal and local authorities on Sunday ramped up security preparations uh, ahead of the Donald Trump visit. And here's what they said, though, that I find interesting. 
their first appearance in federal court on criminal charges here, monitoring online threats and potential gatherings of far-right extremists while marshalling more police officers to be on duty. And the articles that I read, including the the Washington Post, it says this. uh, Authorities were monitoring plans for pro-Trump rallies in Miami, including one outside the federal courthouse on Tuesday, purportedly organized by a local chapter of the Proud Boys, a far-right extremist group, some leaders of which were found guilty of seditious conspiracy in January 6th. I thought the Proud Boys were kind of angry at Donald Trump right now because he's not raising any money or participating in any of that. Anyway, um, whatever the case is, when a group of people decides to be violent, whether that violence is is resulting in injuries of other people or destruction of property or things... Uh, it's certainly gone beyond what is meant to be peaceful, and it ought to be something that we frown upon from all sides. Sometimes what happens is you only get one part of it, and sometimes it's because the media is actually just terrible at reporting, and sometimes it's because it's deliberate. There's a, a side that's been picked. See, what I'm what I'm getting at here is I'm noticing that the the right wing people are being named in these articles, uh, but Antifa is not. But Antifa is also sending people there. And they they do all their stuff on social media. These things get in, you know, they get organized on social media. And the, you know, I can't find anything from maybe it's just because I'm not in those circles, you know, but I don't find the Proud Boys or any of those guys on there. Antifa's kind of everywhere. I don't, I'm not in those circles either. So (laughs) people are like, are you part of that? Do you have a a helmet and a, you know, a mask you wear when you go out there? No, I don't. Uh, I'm not part of that. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. What I'm getting at is the what I'd like you to do is pay attention to see if, and don't participate if you're out there, but is is there political violence that's going to happen? And pay attention if it does, how it gets reported, and then we'll take a look to see where that's coming from. It's not... Uh, something that should happen. And from a Christian perspective, especially, it doesn't, you know, you're not going to win. That's something that for me is when I think about things that I do think we should be standing up for, particularly subjects at schools, the different things happening with our kids. It's so much about the kids right now. You've got to stand up and be a part of that. But if we get violent or if we get to a place where it just goes beyond uh, making the statement that needs to be made, meaning that it gets, you know, burned down a tree or somebody's burning stuff. It just, it it has the reverse effect. It's something that when you study Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement and other move, movements that are similar around the world, you win as soon as you are able to boldly practice nonviolence. When you are boldly able to do what the Lord calls you to do and Jesus says, turn the other cheek, it's not to be a pacifist, meaning you don't even do anything. And it's not saying don't defend yourself if somebody attacks you. But the idea is that when you are able to stand up for it, when you're able to stand up to it and not lose your composure, when you're able to have self-control, even when somebody is goading you, you win. You win the public argument. You win the societal argument. You win the argument at the public, uh, at the city gates, you are able to make the point because then the other person looks like a fool. When everybody gets into a melee, no matter who started it, you know, everybody's just, it just doesn't go anywhere. Everybody loses or maybe one side gets a little more credit because of the media reporting it one way or the other. But this is something that they are concerned about. This is multiple and multiple things are being said 
online. This is uh, presidential historian Michael Beckloss. Uh, Donald Trump on social media has now threatened his predis- uh, his successor, Joe Biden, with a special prosecutor as one of the first things he'd do if he gets reelected. And there are domestic terrorists all over the place on the Internet threatening violence. There's domestic terrorists all over the place. How many are there? I'm hoping that that's wrong, right? We've been hearing that for a while, and we certainly see sometimes this happens, right? We see the Antifa here. We saw a bunch of other guys, you know, with masks on in front of Disney World, you know, with their Nazi flags and stuff. There's only like 20 of them, and they make national news. That bugs me, too, because 20 people doing anything shouldn't make national news. It's only there because of an agenda. And those guys, once again, their face are covered. So they're either actual Nazis and their face are covered because what they're doing is evil, or they are uh, not that, and they're covering their face because they're actually. Remember, there was there was a, they're actually people on the left pretending to be people on the right, which you can do easily, more easily if you cover your face. That happened in a political race in Virginia last year, where a bunch of guys showed up. Actually, they showed up without masks, and uh, as some kind of white supremacist group and uh, supporting the governor out there. It turned out they were all left wing guys, uh, <laughs> who were they got caught because uh, somebody recognized who they were. And one of them was some kind of democratic operative. Those kinds of games do get played. But regardless, we're living in a time where people are trying to instigate violence. People are trying to goad people's anger. And this happens online. This happens, you know, at these different protests for different things, where often many of the people who are there for whatever side are really meant to be peaceful. They go there and they're peaceful. Mostly the peaceful people go home. And then sometimes the violence happens later. And that violence is often planned. That violence, you know, the people who are engaging in it, it's the plan. There are groups of people who plan this. Uh, This is Molly Young on CNN. This is sort of Republicans default, right? Whenever you displease them, they're like civil war. We're going to go to civil war. So, I mean, that I think may hurt their, you know, and remember a lot of these people have actually ended up in jail from January 6th. Well, some people ended up in jail for that. And and, uh, I don't know that uh, everybody who's a Republican is talking for war, but there are some people. And I think it's I think it's figurative, but I think it's language that's not helping. This is Carrie Lake. We're at war, people. If you want to get to President Trump, you're going to have to go through me, and you're going to have to go through 75 million Americans just like me. And I'm going to tell you, yep, most of us are card-carrying members of the NRA. That's not a threat. That's a public service announcement. All right. So she's getting a lot of flack for that. And, uh, you know, I don't think she's actually going to uh, show up armed, but maybe it inspires people. That's what people say. And it happens on the left side. The Antifa people actually have organized people online. I read all this. It said, uh, remember to take all precautions because the other side will be heavily armed. And it reminds people, the Antifa, the Miami Antifa group on the Twitter machine, reminds people to uh, bring their helmets and their masks, because that's what you do in Antifa, because you're on the wrong side of the, the argument, And uh, which I would think they would be for Donald Trump right now, because they're actually, Antifa usually says they're for the abolishment of prisons and the abolishment of the state, and uh, therefore I would think uh, they shouldn't want Donald Trump to go to jail. But uh, that's not really what they're about, obviously. But they're telling their members to come masked, and they suggest that criminal activities are going to happen. You know, a friend of mine put it this way, and I think it's maybe simple. 
we, this is a good day, he said, to pray for our country. This is a really good day to pray for our country. The things that are happening are uh, not good for the country one way or the other. And, you know, whatever is true, whatever is false, whatever is made up, whatever is you know, political narrative one way or the other, it's just sad that this is happening. It just shouldn't happen. And this is a great time to be praying for our country and pray that it doesn't uh, escalate into violence. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I looked up, I'm always curious when you, you hear statements about, uh, you know, different groups that are, are violent or what might be happening in different ways. You know, where do they come up with those statistics? Why is it that uh, we seem to hear more about right-wing violence, which there's no excuse for whatsoever, but it seems like there's left-wing violence all the time out there and we hardly ever hear of it. It's it's happening, and there are even some arrests. In Florida, A uh, Antifa man was arrested last year, or in 2021, actually, because he organized online a group of people who were going to deliberately kill a bunch of conservatives at some kind of event. And he got caught, and he went to jail for organizing that. You know, it happens. We just don't get that in the, the news as often. And I think part of not reporting this well is also part of stirring people up. It's part of a deception. And what is concerning me and what I want us to be able to articulate is why we shouldn't fall for it. Where, wherever you are on this, where if you're somebody who feels like you need to get involved in something, don't fall for so much rhetoric that will lead you to violence, whatever it is. There are people who want you to do it. There are studies out there, too, that say groups of people. Sometimes, you know, why do riots happen? You know, why do people who would never do a violent thing find themselves doing violent things when they're in the midst of people? And for whatever reason, sometimes you get a bunch of people who intend to be peaceful who then do stupid things because everybody else is doing it. We just sort of follow the crowd. This is a place for self-control because I think we have to be showing up in the public square and we have to show up in a way that represents what's true. And in the culture that we live in today, you're going to get hit pretty hard for doing that because you're in a culture today that says that you are a hater for disagreeing with somebody, that you are a person who is evil and a person who is unlovable and not loving simply by disagreeing. In fact, that's the, that's the definition of being loving these days is loving means you love me if you agree with me on everything. And if you disagree with me, sometimes even on the slightest thing, then you're not a loving person. And this cannot be done. And we have to speak out against people who are instigating violence and groups that want to do that, whether they're on the right or the left. You can't say one group that's instigating violence is okay and another one isn't. That's what I'm afraid the media is doing. That's what I'm afraid when you have a bunch of people in helmets and masks show up to a uh, parent protest at a school and start cursing and giving you the finger and instigating. It is something that is happening all the time. And the way that you win is you don't fall for that. The way that you get this to end is you show up anyway, but you don't get goaded into it. I think this is something that it's hard to, it's, it's hard to recognize this. 
as something strategic because I think some people say, ah, well, then, uh, you know, those people deserve to get popped in the face. Well, maybe and maybe it feels really good. But then the purpose of the protest has now changed and has been lost because the only thing that gets reported is everybody got in a fight. See, if you want to make progress and leaders know this and Jesus teaches it, that active and strategic nonviolence is the way. I hear people say sometimes, Christians, you know, but Jesus made a whip and he tossed the tables in the temple. Yep, he sure did. Uh, But number one, he didn't threaten to kill or kill the money changers or harm the money changers. He didn't go to their houses and paint threats on their house, and he didn't get in a fist fight with them. And he didn't set fires to people's legitimate businesses outside of the temple. He didn't teach some screwy philosophy or blame the government or tweet out some nasty stuff. He removed idols and corruption from his own house. And then he told the people to repent. And then he went out and he sacrificed his own life for those same money changers and the Pharisees and the Jews and the Gentiles and the Romans and even the Americans. See, that's, that's the thing that Jesus got angry, but it was controlled. He got so angry that he made a whip. That's part of that story, right? The part of the money changer story is Jesus didn't just walk in there and lose his mind all of a sudden and throw a temper tantrum. He actually saw that and he strategically made a whip. And in this case, it was his own house. Right In this case, he didn't go to somebody else's house and do that. He went to his own. And there are, there are very distinct things that we have to understand here because Jesus certainly was furiously against many of the policies of the Romans and the oppressing policies of the Romans. He was certainly against what the religious leadership was doing. And he calls them a brood of vipers, and he calls the religious people out. Most of the time when Jesus is mad, he's mad at religious people. Most of the time when Jesus is mad, he's mad at, you know, at believers who aren't doing what they are supposed to do as believers. And what we're supposed to do is, is pay attention to what the Lord has called us to do. So when you look at this, you know, and I'm going to watch for this. I'm hoping that there's just going to be, you know, whatever happens with this whole Trump thing or other other stuff that might be happening, that we don't see violence, that people will protest and this and that. But whatever arguments need to actually be had, we have to recognize that if we get into sin ourselves, it it makes the argument not heard. Does that make sense? that when it goes a certain way, and I think my view is that if you are a believer and you're arguing about parents' rights or you're arguing about different things to protect kids that we're seeing, that the way you win is when you boldly speak the truth, but that you love the people who are against you, that you find a way to serve the people who are yelling at you even if they've got a helmet and a mask on or something and you don't know, you know what they're about, you don't know who they are, right? That this is something that shows the world who's right and who's wrong. Because I really believe that it's not hard to figure out right and wrong when you really look. You know, there's, there are certain things that, you know, maybe there's some gray area about things. But I think when it comes to how to raise kids, how a country is built, how society functions, human beings have been on the, you know, have figured this out. And the way people are, when you really think about it, you know, is a child better off with a mother and a father uh, in a home where there's not abuse, where there is moral teaching, where there is education, not just math, science, and English, but also in 
how to be good people as much as you can define that. I know the Bible says, you know, nobody's a good person. That's why we need a savior. But there are certainly better ways to be a person. And Jesus was clear about that. That's why we love our enemies. And I do believe that the media wants to blame one side and the media, the mass media is very much about instigating something here. It gives them something to report. You know, it gives them something to do. Like when there's ever a slow news day and it's really hard for, uh, you know, for media people to figure out what to talk to, the best thing that happens is a riot somewhere. They can talk about that. They got pictures. They got buildings burning down. They've got uh, people yelling at each other. People tune into that. That gets a lot of clicks, right? And uh, I hate to be cynical about it, but that's the world we live in where we sort of like to see that kind of mess. That shouldn't be us. So pay attention to whatever happens tomorrow. And you know, maybe nothing's going to happen. Like I said, it's going to be underground. It's, you know, who knows what, what is going to be there. But do not be brought into violent talk. And if you ever go to some protest for anything, whatever it is, you know, don't be that person who is instigating or violent. You love the people on the other side. You, you disagree with them in a powerful way, in a bold way. But when you lower yourself to their level, or you feel like you got to put a uh, hood over your head, or you feel like you got to hide what you're doing, uh, you're not on the right side of it. Be on Jesus's side, whatever you do. And in the politics of the world of a time where I do think Christians need to speak out about certain things, and not left and right, but about what's happening to, to kids, what's happening in our society, uh, there's a way to do it that's right and a way to do it that's wrong. I got to take a break. This is the Pastor Scott Show. What are your thoughts about this? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. That was a video that somebody made at a high school in Huntington Beach, California, where a math teacher was going to show a uh, a Pride Month video to the class, and the class was uh, grumpy about it, which, uh, you know, when I was in school, it probably didn't matter what the movie was. If they were showing a movie instead of doing math class, that would be awesome. Like when I was a kid, when they put it, when you walk in the classroom and there's a projector in the back or a VCR and a TV up in the front, that was the greatest day. It's like, Yes. But, you know, I think people are getting frustrated with uh, that kind of uh, the agenda there, even in a math class, not even a social, you know, it's like a social studies class or something. Uh, Wilbert, I think we need to get the beginning of this tape out, like the, the groaning for whenever I tell a bad joke or something, right? Right, because I hear people do that right in their cars. <laughs> you know, they get grumpy about uh, that's when I tell a joke. Uh, uh, is that before or after I throw you in the jail cell? Right before the jail cell. Like, uh, this can be the, the official uh, bad joke. This is a class of high schoolers. Grumpy because they're going to see a uh, a video. I think they're just tired of talking about it. Wow, 
And the teacher then is going to threaten them with Saturday school at the end of this. Listen to this. If they don't shut up. They're all going to, they're all got a detention if, you know, if they don't be quiet. You know, this is um, one of the things that uh, we're going to do here next week is next week we're going to talk about uh, a program we have in Los Angeles called uh, Half Price Tuition. And, you know, if you've been thinking that I want to put my kid or my grandkid, help them get into a private Christian school, now's the time. Now is the time to do it, and we're going to help you with that with a program called Half Price Tuition. So next week we're going to have some uh, school administrators come in and talk about uh, private school. And, uh, you know, the thing is about the the private school is, in a private Christian school, is there might very well be some kind of video in, in your math class about Jesus or about something that is, you know, spiritual, right? you know, related or unrelated. That might happen, but the difference is, is that you're signing up for that. Right. The difference is, is that whatever kind of, of moral teaching goes on, you know that going in and you know what's not going to be taught going in. And the parents are not excluded from the conversation that is going on with the kids, which is a big part of the protests here. A big part of where people are frustrated and angry is it's the it's about the kids. The reason I think this year is different in a lot of these conversations is because it's about the kids. And we are seeing terrible test scores. We are seeing a lot of damage done because of the shutdowns during the COVID. And we're seeing a lot of kids being hurt in their education, which is something that lasts for life. And I'll tell you what, your, your kid's education, or if you're a kid and you're listening, your education, you may not see it exactly as this right now. But a good education, especially in areas of math and reading and science, and literature, things like that, you might not see the benefit. I didn't see the benefit. I was one of those kids who were like, I don't know why we, why we have to do this. Of course, in my age, uh, my age group, they told us that uh, you know, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't use a calculator on our math test because there would never be a time when you just happen to have a calculator with you all the time. And uh, now we have that. I suppose that could go away, though. Like, what's going to happen if things get so bad and we're all just farmers again? Uh, I suppose we're going to have to learn how to do math. But I don't know. I suppose the, that calculator is always there. But we, you know, it was always, why do I have to learn this? Why do I have to memorize this? And I understand that. My kids do it. But now that I'm older, and I hate it that you say this, but you do, and you will say it. No matter what age you are, you're going to say it. When you're 70 years old, you're going to say, I wish I would have understood this better when I was 50. And when you're 50, you say, I wish I would have understood this better when I was 30. And when you're, when you're 20, you say, I wish I would have understood this better when I was 12. You just do. That's why we should listen to people who are a little bit older than you. That's why we should listen to our parents. Your parents aren't perfect, but they're, they're going to be right most of the time. And parents are right to have an expectation that they're in the loop of what's going on with their kids. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. So here's what I want to do. I want to tell you about this because I want you to be prepared for it. If you thought, I want to put my kid in private school. And I don't know how to do it. There's a financial commitment. Uh, there's school choice coming maybe in California. That's coming up. School choice would be is that you get the tax dollars that are applied to your kid, which is like $18,000 a year or something like that. And you can then apply it to the school of your choice. Um, that's going to be a great thing, I think, if that happens. Plus, I think it helps public schools. Right? Public schools are inevitable. They're going to be there. They should be doing what's best for the public, and that's educating kids, not hiding what's going on from parents. 
And that's what a big part of these protests are about that we have been seeing. I think next year we're going to see, and I mean in the fall, you know, summertime is here and school is out. But I think in the fall next year, we're going to see that kind of thing going on across the country. I think people have woken up. And this is not a left and right thing. This is a parent thing. Right? This is parents from all kinds of different backgrounds who are saying, wait a minute, what are you doing with my kid? What is my kid involved with that I'm not being told about? What is it that might be happening in my kid's school that I couldn't imagine is happening? And yet you're telling me that this is happening, that my kid can have a completely different identity that you're not going to tell me about, can even go by different name or different pronouns. And you're encouraging that and encouraging an environment where that can actually lead to, in California, if you're over 12, to medical decisions that have a lifetime impact. Remember when I said when you're 20, you wish you would have known that better when you're 12? That should, you know what that's about? That should be about doing your homework or you know not doing something too risky out when you're riding your bike. It shouldn't be about medical care, right? Your parents should be the ones helping you with those decisions and medical care, right? Your parents should be fully involved in that or your grandparents or a guardian. And I I recognize there are exceptions, right? I recognize that there is some cases where the parents are bad, where the kids in foster care and the foster parents are bad, that there's something going on. I get it, that there are reasons why a kid is going to need some help, unfortunately, from the state. Uh, Shouldn't be from the state, right? It should be from good guardians. But most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, there are parents or there is a parent. There is, a, there is grandparents or grandparent or there is a guardian foster parent who actually does care, who cares enough to say to you, no, you don't want to do this. This matters. Anyway, getting back to the thing, I want you to be prepared because what we're going to do next week is on the 20th, we're going to have representatives from some Christian schools around Southern California are going to be on the show, and they're going to talk about you know what it means to be in a Christian school and educational standards. There's two reasons, in my opinion. One of them is uh, the moral foundation that you're going to get. Maybe there's a bunch of reasons. One of them is that. Also, good education. That most of the time, you're going to do better. Um, the private school that I went to, 98% of the graduating seniors of my class went to college. The other 2% went to the military. Like, everybody went to do something. Um, and you find that statistic so often, you know, and that's a much better statistic than 30% of the kids can read at an eighth grade level or a third grade level or can't get into college or can't do other stuff. This, this matters. My, my opinion, frankly, is that grade school education that the, that, you know, K through eight, maybe high school is more important to invest in maybe than college. Like, I think you should go to college. I'm not saying that. But if you're thinking about saving money or what it's going to cost, the, you know, in college, maybe it's better. This is how I view it for my kids. You can tell me if you disagree. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Or if you agree. My belief is that you need to teach your kids young how to read. That by the end of the third grade, they should be pretty good readers. And if they're not, I think we should be able to hold them back until they can read. I think that is tremendously important. Maybe a little bit later for math, but they should know basic math. And there should be some teaching and critical thinking and those things. And by the time you're out of the eighth grade, you should be able to have some handle on all of that and then have high school be really about some development. 
in lots of things. That should be everywhere. That should be universal. And you know what? That does happen for lots of kids in the public school. Not saying that it doesn't. And there are some schools that are cranking out some really good good people. And usually it's parents, by the way, who are involved, which I always find that to be the, the irony of the movement to keep parents out. Because I think if you're listening and you're a public school teacher or just any teacher, you're you're probably going to say, and you're going to be right, that the kids that do better in your class are the kids who have parent parental involvement. You're, the kids who do better in your class are the kids whose parents are also with you when it comes to their grades, when it comes to their behavior and other stuff on the big issues. And that's why I find it so ironic that the same schools that would say that, that would say that we have trouble because the parents aren't involved, which I think is a lot of the problem. You know, the teachers get a lot of blame and the school gets a lot of blame, but parents are part of it. And even good parents, right? And by good parents, I mean, you know, parents who are active, who show up to things. You know, these days, sometimes the parent will side with the kid when the kid really is the one with the bad behavior. I know that that happens. And I know as a teacher, you know that that happens. So why in the world, when you know that it matters, parental involvement, would you create a system where the parents don't get to know about things? where the parents don't know that your kid has some other identity, that your, parent, that your kid might be into medical care and medical procedures that you don't know anything about. It can be the you know, uh, transgender affirming care, but it can be abortion. It can be other things that kids take medications for these days, you know, uh, depression drugs. There's all kinds of things that kids have a right to do after 12 in California. Why is it that we know that parents matter so much when it comes to grades and attendance and a whole lot of stuff. We know that that's an impactful thing. Why is it that we want to take them out, parents out, of these other decisions? See, it's it's a bad thing. So we're going to have uh, half-price tuition. Here's the deal. Half-price is you pay half-price for tuition for the first year at a Christian school that is uh, offering them through our program, and KKLA pays the second half. For the first year, you get in for half price, and that's a great way to get started. You can go to kkla.com and click on the banner for half price tuition. Check it out. And uh, the right thing to do is to figure out what school works for you and do that kind of research and then be ready to call us on the 20th uh, during our show because that's when they're going to go on sale. All right, I'm going to take a break. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Here's a question for you on the break What is the right age to give your kid a cell phone? What works? When is the right right way for your kid to have a cell phone. What's the right age? 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. What is the right age to buy your kid a cell phone? Have you thought about this? If you got kids or maybe you got grandkids or maybe you don't have kids, but what are your thoughts about it? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I actually had a rotary dial in my house clear up till somewhere in high school, right? If I had to call people, you know, it was the dialing and go back. If somebody had too many nines or zeros, you know, you get impatient. It takes too long to call. Um, and texting, email, stuff like that was not a part of my kid experience, and uh, that wasn't the kind of danger. I got a letter from a listener named Lynn, and occasionally I bring this up, uh, this subject up, because I have a 14-year-old James who's going into high school, 
And she says, I'm writing because I've heard you mention a few times that you have not brought bought your son a phone. By the way, the email address, if you ever want to write, is pastorscott at kkla.com, pastorscott at kkla.com. I can't get back to every email, but they do all get read. Pastorscott at kkla.com. And uh, so she wrote me about uh, her experience. And uh, she said her older son was 14 when he got a phone. We got him a phone for security, mainly because his elderly grandparents did not always remember to pick him up for middle school. And uh, I think that's that's pretty good. You know, my son, now we got him a phone. We actually did at 14. He's got a phone. I'll tell you about that in a minute. So I, and, um, but Lynn obviously didn't know that. And, you know, with, when he doesn't have a phone, when my kid doesn't have a phone, a couple of times we did forget or we were picking him up late for something and he has to go into the school office to call. <laughs> and he's... You know, when he was younger, there were plenty of kids with no phone. But I think more recently, he could very well be just about the only one without a phone. And uh, you hear you hear it in his voice. Dad, are you going to come pick me up? You're going to be there? Okay. And uh, then you, you hurry on your way there. I think both times that happened, we were actually in the car on the way. Anyway, I can understand why you need a phone because uh, people forget to pick you up. Uh, these are the rules surrounding his phone. No phone during dinner. The phone had to be put away at night. His dad and I had to have full access to texts, emails, and sites visited. I have that. I have that on James's phone. All of his texts, his emails, everything he's doing on the phone, I've got access to that. There are programs for that and ways to do that. And uh, we don't let him have it in his room at night. We do the same thing. Uh, Lynn, we keep it outside. This has only been a couple of months for us, okay? This is a recent thing. Uh, we realize, too, by the way, that you know he's old enough where sometimes we'll leave him home by himself Usually not with his younger brother, who's 11, and we're afraid that there might be a boxing match and somebody gets hurt. And then we realized there, you know, we grew up with phones attached to the house, right? Of course, there's a phone in the house, but we realized, Christy and I realized when, wow, if we leave him home alone and he has no phone, there's no phone. There's, if there is something that happens, if he has to call 911 or he needs help, there's no phone, it's funny that that did not occur to me because growing up, there's a phone. It's attached to the wall. Everybody had a phone. Uh, so now he's got a phone. And we say, you got to keep it charged just in case something happens. Anyway, uh, she she says, here's one reason I'm glad we got it. We had to learn what was appropriate and what was not appropriate regarding proper phone communication. And he had to learn the hard way. He texted to a friend, quote, dude, I could kill you for what you said to so-and-so about me, unquote. Now, that was before emojis and stuff, and uh, they said they saw that text and they pounced. Now, obviously, probably, he's not really threatening to kill, and obviously, Lynn knows this, not really threatening to kill. But you never know how that's going to be read, right? You ever send an email or a text you wish you didn't send or that was completely received the wrong way? Like, do you have that friend, or maybe it's you, who sends you an email and it's always in all capital letters, and they don't know that that means yelling, Right? They don't They don't know that some people who get your email and it's all capital letters, you think it's cute or something, uh, but they think you're mad at them. You got to be careful about what, uh, you know, how things are received. And uh, so they said, hey, you need to uh, t- apologize and take the opportunity to explain uh, what you mean, that this is joking or laughing. And they said you could, you could put, you know, now I think you put a little happy face or a ha-ha or, you know, the little emojis that wink and do that. So she explains that. And, uh, you know, I think that's pretty good advice because you never know how people are going to receive communication. And that does give you an opportunity with your kid to teach them how to do it. What's the right age to get a cell phone? What do you think? 888-528-2557 for your kid. What's the right age? 
888-528-2557. And uh, so, Lynn, by the way, I did get him a phone, like I said, and uh, he's learning. And, uh, you know, I think it's just kind of the way things are. We have to be not afraid of technology as it's there to realize that some of it can be used for bad, but it can also be used for good. My biggest concern with the smartphone is bad stuff on the Internet, right, porn and and other things. That's the biggest concern I have for really this entire generation, that it is so – widely available. And the statistics show that your kid, if they are, you know, 10, 11 years old, they've already seen it. They've already sought it out in most cases. When they're little, they they seek out that stuff for uh, for giggles and they'll laugh at it, right? Um, But when they get a little older, then they seek it out because they, they want to enjoy it and be a part of that. And, you know, all the studies say that it's bad, bad for their development, bad for them relationally and all that kind of stuff. But there's other positive things too about communication. I realized this, that, you know, I had a little phone on the wall and dial, but I could call my friends when I was fairly young. I don't remember when I maybe started calling regularly, but it's probably middle school. And you learn how to converse. You learn how to have conversation. And that's part of it. That's part of having a phone. Um, Now they talk over the internet, though. They'll use FaceTime or Google Chat or all these other programs it's such a weird thing, the way we communicate with each other again. But you have to learn how to do it. And I think that's a good thing to teach your kids also, you know, how to communicate well to people. And I know it's a problem. And to, to speak, do you call people or do you just text people? Do you have a phone, but you were unaware that it actually has a phone in it? You know, that's also something that's funny. Is how often do people call people on the phone? I find it's better if you can do it. It's just better to you get things done a lot of the time. But sometimes I feel it's great, good enough to just have a text, but it's great to be able to have a conversation and really talk to people because they do hear that inflection in your voice. And they don't see your face often, but it is, you know, they do if it's FaceTime. Do you do the FaceTime thing? I was walking behind a guy at the mall the other day and the parking lot at the mall. I wasn't really in the mall, but it was in the parking lot, parking structure. Um, because I'm really cheap, and if I park in this place up really high, it's free, and i got to walk a few blocks to a coffee shop where I'll prepare the show. But uh, I'm walking down, watching this guy, and he's on his FaceTime on the phone. So he's not on the phone you know, holding it to his ear. He's holding it down so he can look into it. But I'm realizing that the person he's talking to uh, is looking right up his nose. And do people do this? I think that's how they do it. I figured that I'm on this call somehow, that that person he's talking to is seeing me over his shoulder and looking right up this guy's nose. I think that's that's probably something that we have to learn, a different kind of etiquette for today's world to, hey, maybe the person you're talking to does not want to be looking up your nostrils while you're talking to them. Just a thought, Or maybe they do. Maybe that's uh, just not how it is. I can't get into the FaceTime thing. I, I need to do it more, I guess. And, and I don't think there's a really good reason to need to, except I do think you want to stay on the technology train as much as you can. Anyway, that's going on. All right, so whatever you do with your, your kids and their cell phone, don't ignore the bad stuff that they can get into. And don't ignore the opportunity to teach your kids how to communicate. A police officer I know, I... I was at a 4th of July party a couple of years ago with this guy. I met him. Actually, I know him only from that party. It's when I met him. But his job was to train cops. And he told me something fascinating. He said that the hardest part in training new police officers today in his job 
is teaching the police officers how to speak to people that they've pulled over or that they are talking to uh, about whatever. He said he'll pull over and he'll say to the police officer, there's a bunch of people hanging around the corner, go over and talk to them and see what's up. And he says they're terrified because they're not used to, you know, people just aren't used to having conversations with people. And he told me, he said, you know, if I had their phone number, the people hanging out and he could just text them, it would be no problem. He could text them all of the right things and it would really work. But I have to teach people to have basic conversations with strangers because it's a lost art, a lost ability. Take the opportunity with your kids and your cell phones to teach them how to talk to people. Uh, It doesn't have to be with the cell phone, obviously. You should do it face-to-face. But even to, to go ahead and call your friend rather than text and say hello and say goodbye and say thank you and do the polite things. I do think it'll benefit them. I think we're always going to have verbal communication over the phone, even if it's less than it used to be. And I think it matters how we come across. Just a few thoughts there on that. Anyway, uh, James has a phone. He's happy about that. His little brother, John, is not at all happy about this. And he's negotiating for how he can get a phone. And we're saying, when you're 14, you can have a phone. <laughs> that's, that's how it's going to go. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. By the way, if you would like to get the podcast of this show, of any episode, just go to kkla.com, find the podcast there. And you can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and share it with a friend. Tell them to listen to the Pastor Scott Show. We're on every single day from 3 to 5, every single day from 3 to 5, where we take the issues of the day, talk about them from a Christian perspective. And we got a lot on the program tomorrow and this week. Louis Giglio will be with us on Wednesday. Looking forward to that. A lot going on. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I will see you tomorrow. Have a great night. God bless.